continuing my series on user experience design for all, thinking about the bare bones of what of what this is, and sitting down, paying attention to others, making observations, uh, gathering those observations and thinking about them and getting some insights in the, in the patterns that you find as you examine it. It's, it's essentially scientific method applied to um, seeing how something made is working or not, is well met or not, all that. Digging deeper and like, what is this basically? In a way, it's um, it's adding a little bit of uh, structure where there might not have been on a project. If you think about um, the different hats that you wear, I would imagine some of those hats are sort of incidental, like uh, reading through a contract, uh, choosing a provider of of however you you manage your billing for what you do, or um, like any of those processes, like if in in a, in in like in industry and in like larger institutions, um, smaller bigger than a small business, a lot of times that that stuff that you sort of face incidentally day to day to day is an entire person's is a person's entire job potentially a department of people's entire job and you know which or it could be many people's job divided among lots of teams applied to different products in a business either way it's a lot more than incidentally one decision along the way uh but I mean that's what we do. Like if you you are on you're in a small business or a very tiny solo business, um, you know whatever your your revenue or income, you end up wearing these different hats and and making these choices. Um, your your part, um, everything from salesperson, frontline talent, uh, uh, chief financial officer. I mean, who knows? Potentially, product model. Um, it just the 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 potential hats you wear. It, it, there's no end. All the hat discussion aside, now you end up in a situation where one of those hats and the incidental choices you make are you know could be observed as the discipline of user experience. Okay. Um. Again, digging deeper as far as what that is and why, in a way. It's being very intentional and disciplined, or, or not, not necessarily very. There's a there's a, a spectrum. Like you could um, just adding more discipline and adding a little more structure than what you had before, and saying that well, if I pose my thought as far as what I was about to make as a question to say will this thing work for who I'm trying to make it for? That's a little or potentially a lot different than I'm going to just make this and then see what happens. Um, You can test your ideas earlier. And that that's uh, like, like earlier as in with less time and money investment, as far as bringing about a finished product, 
you can test the ideas that go into a product sooner. And how you do that is you add steps. You're, in a way, going faster by slowing things down. It's, the, it's very analogous to the process of creating um, like a comic book where you could try to start right at the end. And I know that's what I did growing up where, where it's when I, when I see an illustration and I want to, I want to draw like that. Well, I mean, I, st- I'd start with just trying to, um, almost like scan and copy. You start in one corner in the upper left and work your way across and down. And the, like that, that approach trying to land at the end right from the start, um, it has a lot of brittleness to it. Like, are you sure that's what you what you might want to make and how you want to make it and what you're trying to communicate and, and, and. Um, because there's a lot of underlying complexity behind a finished looking thing behind a product there's a lot of underlying complexity behind uh just anything you make like if you if you do illustration or comics or uh independent software development or games or some combination of all the above or a a musician or designer whatever it is um yeah you've you've experienced this uh and you may live out this idea where like yeah what you know of course there's underlying complexity i know this i live it every day Maybe so, and that's great. Um, and maybe what I'm doing is just providing an alternate angle for words you already have. Uh, but I think it's—I think it's easy for me, and I would say just about any of us to to overlook underlying complexity. And then I think it's easy to respond to that once you're aware of it in a bunch of different ways. And and you know you could ignore it. Uh, you could, then I would say, if you're, if you're like, well, I'm not going to ignore it. I'm going to engage with it. I think there's two different ways that, you know, there's way more than this, but I think there's two sort of broad categories of engaging with trying to understand underlying complexity that, uh, they can serve each other well, but oftentimes you have extremes of, um, participants on either side and, and honestly, I would say one of those extremes is, is, is when someone is very academic and wants to think through everything before much of anything gets acted upon in, in the real world. So it's the idea that preparation, it must come at high cost and great length of investment and that's that's what's valued a lot um which is honestly it is useful it is very valuable and doing doing your research and trying to um you know do secondary research looking at the big landscape around you of like well who's done this thing kind of like what i'm doing in the in the in the world and how'd that turn out for them what's the overall is this industry growing or shrinking is this you know marketplace healthy or not what 
what are some you know ups and downs of putting something in this marketplace? I don't know. Like you can just go on and on and on and on, and um, be super well served by thinking through things. To um, let's see, in a in a sort of um, with some constraint, with some discipline, to say I to to say that. Um, Yes, the academic perspective is very valuable. The, the, the perspective of um, strategy and research informed by looking at the world around it, all that, fantastic. Um, even if your research is like, yeah, I love the, all the, I mean, the humans that make this thing and that, that are served, and I'm going to pay lots and lots of attention to them and try to make really insightful choices. You could get stuck in any kind of research. It doesn't, it doesn't just have to be like... Um, you know, market marketplace and, and um, you know, what's the overall, um, what are all the ecosystems at play kind of research. Again, a little bit of it can go a long way. And then the other side of this, um, the whole strategy in academia is the, um, it's the, I guess if it's the other side instead of theory it's the practice and it's the it's the rapid execution of ideas and or not rapid maybe the craft is so attractive and fascinating and um, important that you could get you could get caught in that forever as well you could be refining and critiquing um, based on the thing being crafted itself and having, like, essentially that's another sort of system-centric perspective when, when it's like, oh, the thing is important in and of itself and it's, it's worthy of all the time and energy I can possibly give it. Which, again, like, of some time and energy dedicated to the craft of making the thing is... Uh, probably going to serve the project very well. Some time and attention put into the um, the strategy probably going to be great. Some of it. So, like, how do you how do you get traction through all this? Well, a, a very handy structure that I've um, in, you know studied and employed in uh, in various ways quite a bit of my career, but then getting more honed and refined at it as you know every like the whole ecosystem around me is has leveled up. Uh, is um, you could call it um, human-centered design inclusive of business and engineering. So it's about having uh, a hypothesis and a willingness to, to be light on your feet and, and, and um, test in small ways should small ways be available and useful so it's about having a hypothesis about the um, the people that you're serving often you call that the desirability hypothesis then you have um, the people that are making it and how you're making it all that kind of stuff that's that's the um, uh, feasibility hypothesis and then you have the the business the ecosystem and and um, the sourcing, like, what is it? How much does it cost you to make this thing? And 
and how is the market doing and all that and that's that's the viability hypothesis it's like well what kind of what kind of profit margin can i can i have um even if you're thinking about the stuff you sketch and and selling um you know commission art or whatever it's like these things apply across i think businesses of all sizes the feasibility feasibility <laughs> feasibility uh viability and desirability so and then if you combine that and you you make sense of this as well the the product you know isn't just one thing there is an underlying complexity and you can engage with it in a constructive manner and in a way that's approachable um and you can scale it down and say that well i don't have a giant research team i don't have like a person to wear the hat of desirability hypothesis or any or any of them um you i'm wearing all the hats but even if it's a hat you put on for a day or a few hours and then you use that in your process for choosing and deciding what you do next and essentially you've slowed things down but theoretically to maybe get somewhere better faster uh you're you're uh, using the tools of um that I think a lot of disciplines can lay claim to, but I also, I would propose user experience design is one of those things, especially when you consider it on the, on the, the um, as a systemic design discipline. And that's what I, that's what I mean about systemic design is saying that, well, things aren't frozen snapshots of just what I see right here and now. They came from somewhere, they're going to somewhere, and they're comprised of, of, things people's thoughts people's effort of of different backgrounds and interests and even if you know again those are that's not that big of a team of people wearing a lot of hats representing those interests are it's it's helpful so there you go um i think i've i think i've made some kind of a point with with this is you know talking about the underlying complexity it, it can be approached um for instance there is a model to approach it with the you know, the human-centered design, think that's inclusive of other disciplines. And, uh, and the, of course, that's, that's not the only way, but the idea being you can come up with a model to engage with stuff that isn't easily understood right now to understand it better, to then, you know, maybe make less expensive mistakes. Make less expensive mistakes uh, less frequently. Um there's always risk so okay that's uh i think i'm gonna wrap up this recording there i i think this probably could have been a couple of different chapters if this were an audiobook or what have you but it's a fun process to do this drafting and extemporaneous um exploration where it's like like i have a, a a little prompt and i and i'm just going for it um if i were i think i'll do a separate recording to to talk about um how i how i often go about writing um stuff such as uh long blog posts and workshops but suffice it to say that well (laughs) it's uh it's a lot more drawn out 
than what I'm experimenting with Art Sound Off, just getting some ideas down and whatnot. So anyway, thanks for going along on the ride with me for this, and um, thanks for downloading this. If you have any um, questions, reactions, comments, you can hit me up on Twitter or via email. Twitter, I am Rob Stenzinger. Via email, I am rob.stenzinger at stenzingersoftware.com. And again, thank you very much for listening.